This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program today. This is Don Boyd with the Moody Church of Christ. I want to thank you for tuning in to Opening the Scriptures. Uh, today we want to begin a series of lessons on the book of Job. The book of Job is a fascinating book. It's characterized as wisdom literature and largely poetry. The other books in the Old Testament that are characterized in this way are the Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and Lamentations. Now, the book of Job gives instructions concerning everyday life. Now, a brief look at wisdom literature. Wisdom literature speaks to the heart of a person to help us understand how to live a successful life. Wisdom literature is typically concerned with human affairs, health, happiness, prosperity, long life, family, personal relationships, business, and prestige. The different forms of wisdom literature are proverbs, riddles, parables, fables, numerical sayings, and sermonettes. So that's just kind of a brief look at wisdom literature. Now I want to look at a few suggestions as to the central theme of Job. One of those suggestions is the meaning of suffering, or why do good people suffer? A second suggestion is theodicy which is the justice of God's dealings with the world. A third suggestion as to the central theme of Job is human access to God. Job cries to God for an explanation, and God does not give him one. A fourth suggestion as to the central theme of Job is faith. Can human faith reach a level? where questions no longer need to be answered as to why certain things are happening to us. And then a fifth suggestion of the central theme of Job is disinterested righteousness. That means not being righteous just because of what we get out of it. Or put in a different way, God is worthy to be worshipped and praised just because of who he is. Well, we'll ask this question then. Why do the righteous suffer? Why do the righteous suffer? God may permit suffering as a means of purifying and strengthening us. You see, God's ways are far above our understanding. God knows what is best for his own glory and for our ultimate good. Go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, look at verses 8 and 9. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. God there says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, we cannot see 
life with the breadth and vision that God can. Now, there are other reasons why righteous people suffer, but that's the one we wanted to focus on in this lesson. Now, according to Hitchcock's Bible names, the name Job means he that weeps or cries. When you look at Strong's definition of the name Job, it says, hated, that is, persecuted. So Job there is one who weeps and cries, and he is one who is hated, and he is persecuted. He is hated by the devil, and apparently there for a while by some of his friends and acquaintances. But anyway, what about the timing of Job? It's believed that Job lived during the patriarchal time around the time of Abraham. When we go to Job chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, we have a patriarchal family. Job chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. It says, And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. So Job being the head of the household there, as was in during the time of the patriarchal period, he would offer sacrifices there for his family. There is also a piece of money that is mentioned, and it is Q-U-E-S-I-Y, or V, excuse me, T-A-H. Whenever we look at that one, it is Y-T-A-H. I got my glasses on to look. That word is found in Job 42.11. Job 42.11. That verse says, Then came there unto him all his brethren, and all his sisters, and all they that had been of his acquaintance before, and did eat bread with him in his house, and they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil or harm that the Lord, they still thought it was God did that, brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and every one an earring of gold. And that's the word that we're looking at there. That piece of money, quesita, uh, or something like that. That piece of money is mentioned only in two other places in the Bible. It's mentioned, first of all, in Genesis 33, 19. Genesis chapter 33, verse 19. That verse says, and it says, and he bought a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of money. And that's talking about Jacob, 
we learn that back from verse 18. So that piece of money is mentioned there. And it is also mentioned in Joshua 24, 32. Joshua 24, 32. That verse says, And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem, in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. So it's referring to the same action. But those are the only two places or other places that that piece of money is mentioned in the Bible. But also, another reason is believed that Job lived during the patriarchal time, again around the time of Abraham, is that after Job was acquitted, I guess you might say, vindicated, he lived an additional 140 years, which is a patriarchal lifespan. Let's go back over to Job chapter 42 and verse 16 says after this lived Job 140 years and saw his sons and his sons sons even four generations alright we go back to Job chapter 1 verse 2 it says and there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters so that's ten children so at least ten years because it mentions that Job had a wife. His wife said unto him there in chapter 2. Uh, not one of his wives. So at least 10 years there. So that would make Job, uh, if he was married when he was 20, it would make him 30. Uh, you know, if they had a child a year, so you had 140 to that, you get 170. Well, Abraham lived to be 175. We find that back in Genesis chapter 25, verse 7. Genesis chapter 25, verse 7. That verse says, And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life which he lived, a hundred and threescore and fifteen years. So he lived to be a hundred and seventy-five. We also see that Job was the priest of his family. As we read a while ago in Job chapter 1 verse 5, that he offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. So all of those things add up. It looks like that Job lived around the time of Abraham. Now we do not know the author and we do not know the time which the book was written. The, Job is mentioned in two other books of the Bible. The, one of them is Ezekiel chapter 14. He's mentioned twice. Ezekiel chapter 14, look at verse 14 first of all. Ezekiel 14, 14. It says there, this is the word of the Lord, verse 12 says, Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, 
they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. And he's talking about Jerusalem there. But Job is mentioned there. And then Job is also mentioned down in verse 20. Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I saith, or as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, but they shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. And we know he's talking about Jerusalem there. Verse 21 says, For thus saith the Lord God, How much more when I send my four sower judgments upon Jerusalem, the sword and the famine and the noisome beast and the pestilence to cut off from it man and beast. But anyway, he's mentioned twice there in Ezekiel chapter 14, and it talks about his righteousness. We go over to the New Testament, to the book of James, and we find Job mentioned there in James chapter 5, verse 11. James chapter 5, verse 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. The word pitiful there means compassionate. So there we have Job. We see his righteousness mentioned in Ezekiel, his patience or his endurance mentioned here in the book of James. And there are some may question whether Job was actually a real person or not. Well, there in Ezekiel, Job is mentioned with two real men, Daniel and Noah. So Job is just as real as Daniel and Noah. Now, we go back to Genesis chapter 46, we see another man named Job who is mentioned. Genesis 46 verse 13. Genesis 46 verse 13. It says, And the sons of Issachar, Tola and Fuva and Job and Shimron. Well, this Job was a child of Issachar, who was a child of Jacob, who was a son of Isaac, who was a son of Abraham. So this Job is past the time of the Job that we're studying. Uh, some believe that Jobab, who is mentioned in Genesis 36-33, they believe he is Job, but there is no proof. Genesis 36-33. It says, And Bela died, and these are the kings that reigned in the land of Edom, verse 31 tells us. Now we'll read verse 33. And Bela died, and Jobab the son of Zerah of Basra, reigned in his stead. So some believe that that individual is the Job that we're studying, but again, there is no proof of that. The land of Uz, in Job chapter 1, verse 1, it says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. The land of Uz is mentioned twice over in the book of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 25 first, 
Jeremiah chapter 25 and in verse 20. Jeremiah 25:20. It says, And all the mingled people and all the kings of the land of Uz, and all the kings of the land of the Philistines, and Ashkelon, and Azza, and Ekron, and the remnant of Ashdod. So Jeremiah mentions the land of Uz here in the book of Jeremiah, and then he mentions it again in Lamentations. And that is Lamentations chapter 4, verse 21. Lamentations 4, 21. It says, Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, that dwellest in the land of us. The cup also shall pass unto thee. Thou shalt be drunken and shalt make thyself naked. So the land of Uz, uh, it says there, daughter of Edom that dwellest in the land of Uz. The Edomites area was south there of the Dead Sea. So that apparently is part of the land of Uz. Now, Paul quotes from the book of Job, but he doesn't quote Job. When you go to Job chapter 5, verse 13, Job chapter 5, verse 13, and this is Eliphaz speaking. Verse chapter 4 says, Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, and his speech goes through chapter 5. But verse 13, Eliphaz said, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and the counsel of the froward is carried headlong. Job actually quotes from that over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19. That verse says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. So Paul there quoted from a statement that Eliphaz made in the book of Job. Now, the book of Job can be divided into five sections. The first section, chapters 1 and 2, Job is tested. Job is tested. Job chapters 1 and 2. The second section, Job's controversy with his three friends. And that's Job chapters 3 through 31. Job's controversy with his three friends, Job 3 through 31. The third section is Elihu's presentation, and that's Job chapters 32 to 37. Elihu's presentation, Job 32 to 37. The fourth section of the book of Job is God speaks to Job. Chapters 38 through 41. God speaks to Job. Chapters 38 to 41. And then the fifth section, <clears throat> chapter 42. Job is blessed for his faithfulness. Again, chapter 42. Job is blessed for his faithfulness. Now I want to take a brief look at each section. 
Let's look first of all at Job's testing. And I want to begin looking here with a challenge that Jehovah gave Satan. Chapter 1, verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, or turneth away from evil? The literal translation of the Bible states that verse this way. And Jehovah said to Satan, Have you set your heart on my servant Job? Because there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. So apparently Satan saw what was going on with Job, and he set his heart on Job to try to get him to turn against God. Well, Satan proclaimed, this is what he accused Job of. He accused Job that he only served God because of what Job got out of it. And that's Job chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. Job 1, 10 and 11. We'll look at verses 9 through 11. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. So God made the challenge there to Job, uh, to, excuse me, to Satan, but Satan says there, Job is not worshiping you and obeying you just because you're worthy. He's only obeying you because of what you do for him. That's the only reason. Well, God allowed Satan to do his will to Job. Do Satan's will. Chapter 1, verse 12. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. So right there, Satan is gone to do what he wants to do. And he get, great catastrophes happen now in the life of Job, one right after another. And we'll get into that when we get into the study of chapter 1. But Job endures these catastrophes, and Satan comes before God again and accuses Job. Now we're looking at Job chapter 2, verses four through six, or 2 through 6. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Again, the wording in the literal translation is, Have you set your heart on my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, 
although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. So right there, God is telling Satan all of the evil that you have done to Job, and Job still maintains his integrity. He is not turning against God. Well, what does Satan say? Verse 4. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin. Yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone in his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. Well, the other things didn't work. He took away, again, we'll study these things more in depth later, but he took away his wealth. He took away his health. He took away his children. He killed his children. Job maintained his integrity, but now Satan is going, well, all that really must not matter. But you touch his skin, you give him a, let's, let's give him a disease. Then he will curse thee to thy face. Uh, Wayne Jackson, in his work, The Book of Job, on page 12 states this, and I quote, The range of Job's afflictions covers every facet of human endurance. All of his material possessions are lost. His children are killed in a series of disasters. He is afflicted with a dreadful disease from head to foot. His wife spiritually forsakes him. He becomes the utter contempt of his contemporaries. So right there, everything that can go wrong, that can go bad in a person's life has happened to Job. That shows us right there what Satan thinks of human beings. There is no love in Satan, only hate. He hates you, he hates me, he hates your family, he hates your mother, your father, your wife, your husband, your children, your grandchildren. He hates everyone. And Job is just an example of that. All right, let's go to the second section here. And that's the controversy of Job with his three friends. And that's chapters again, 3 through 31. Well, these three friends heard of Job's troubles, and they came to comfort him. They're in Job chapter 2, verse 11. Job 2 11. It says, Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came every one from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Naamathite, for they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. That was what they intended to do. But they had a problem because they had a philosophy that was wrong. This is what their philosophy was. Suffering is the direct result of sin. Job is suffering greatly. Therefore, Job must have committed some great sin. And that was their idea. 
as to why Job was suffering so much. He had to be a great sinner because God never punishes the righteous. The righteous never have to go through anything like Job is going through. And we'll get to this more, on, uh, more as we go on through the book of Job. But that was their idea. Job had to be a great sinner because of how much he is suffering. Now, the next section there, Elihu's presentation there in Job 32 to 37, Elihu is a fourth friend that has come to Job, and he speaks later, after the controversy has been done through Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar and Job. Well, he's angry. He's probably the youngest. That's why he waited, and that's what he mentions when we get to that. But he's angry with the other three friends because they condemned Job, and they didn't offer any real proof. But he's also aggravated by Job justifying himself rather than God. Let's go over to Job chapter 32. Look at verses 1 through 3. Job 32, 1 through 3. It says, So these three men, that would be Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzite, of the kindred of Ram against Job, and his wrath was kindled because he justified himself rather than God. Also against his three friends was his wrath kindled because they had found no answer and yet had condemned Job. So Eliphaz has waited, excuse me, Eliphaz, Elihu has waited to speak until everyone else was done but he's going, things are not right here. You've accused Job of great sin, and you have shown no proof. And Job, you're trying to justify yourself instead of God. So Eliphaz, or I keep saying Eliphaz, Elihu speaks during that time. The fourth section is the section in which God speaks to Job chapters 38 to 41. Well, Job, as we will learn later, had been wanting an audience with God. He wanted to set forth his case to God and hear what God had to say. But whenever God spoke to Job, he didn't quibble with Job. He overpowered Job with his majesty and universal rule as evidenced in the created universe. Go to Job 38, verses 1 through 7. Job 38, 1 through 7. says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? 
or who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. There's no quibbling going on there. Well, Job, Job said, he goes, I, I've uttered things I didn't know. God questions Job to help Job understand and realize who God really is and that he has no right to question his creator. We go to Job 42 and we look at verses 1 through 6. Job 42, 1 through 6. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought of no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered that I understood not, things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, I will speak of thee, I will speak, I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job came to the realization of who God really is. And that is what you and I need to do. We need to come to the realization that God is not some old grandfather up there floating around with a big old beard allowing us to do anything we want to do. God is the creator of the universe. God is the creator of humankind. God is the one who gave his son to die on a cross so that his creation Mankind, you and I, have the opportunity for salvation so that we can be with God forever in heaven. God is the one who is going to judge us, and we're going to be judged by his word. So many people, we know that from Matthew 7, 13 and 14, so many people are not going to listen or understand or recognize who God really is. Again, Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way which leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. God has offered it, but few there be who either don't care to realize who God is and understand who God is, or they don't know, one or the other. Well, Job is blessed because of his faithfulness. When you go to Job chapter 42 again, first of all, he is commended by God and he is blessed by God. Chapter 42, verses 12 and 13. Job 42, 
12 and 13. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 she-donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. So God blessed Job. And the true character of Job is shown in what he does for his three friends that have made such horrible accusations against him. We read chapter 42, verses 7 through 9. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. For ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right like my servant Job. Now look at verse 9. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Naamathite went and did. According as the Lord commanded them, the Lord also accepted Job. Verse 10 says the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he did had before. Right there, that shows you the character of Job. Even though his friends condemned him greatly, and we're going to be seeing that as we go through the book of Job, even though they condemned him greatly, Job offered apparently these sacrifices for them and prayed for them. What a man! willing to do that for those that had treated him so harshly. Well, what are the lessons to be learned from the book of Job as we go through it? And this comes from Wayne Jackson's book, The Book of Job. First, the book is a defense of the absolute glory and perfection of God. We have no right to question God. When we look at Psalm 18, verse 3, Psalm 18, verse 3, it says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. God is worthy to be praised and glorified just because of who he is. He is God. Secondly, from Wayne Jackson's book, he says this book addresses itself to man's anguished cry of why, oh why must humanity be heir to suffering? 
man simply cannot tie all the loose ends of the Lord's purposes together. We must learn, therefore, to trust God no matter what our circumstances are. How true that is. You know, we look around us and it seems like the unrighteous, everything is going great for them and not anything's going right for us. Job had that question as well. How? Why is this happening? Why am I suffering so much? And yet, as Dwayne Jackson said, we, we can't tie all those loose ends together. God's purposes are for our best, whatever that may be. So we need to learn to trust God. No matter what's happening to us in this life, trust God. And in the third lesson, again from Wayne Jackson's book, I quote, Also, this book paints a beautiful portrait of the word patience. If we maintain our fidelity to God, even under great tribulation, when we do not understand what is happening, that is patience. Ultimately, everything will be all right. Whatever you're going through in this life, be patient. Have endurance. Endure the things that are coming. Be faithful to God. Great tribulation may come our way. And we don't understand why. Be patient. In the end, everything's going to be all right. It's going to turn out well. Because you see, the book of Job gives us insight into what's happening in the spiritual world as we saw there in Job chapter 1. If we go back there and we look, and it says there in verse 6, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said to Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. You know, people seem to think that the devil's in hell. No, he's not. He is going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down in it. The same thing over in Job chapter 2. Verse 1, And there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also, or came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down in it. Our enemy is out there. Peter affirmed that in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. 
And we know from what we read earlier in the book of Job, he wanted to devour Job. He's still out there walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And bad things may happen to us in this life because Satan is causing it. How many times do people blame God for what's happening in their lives? They blame God because their spouse died, their child died, someone else died, whatever it may be, they blame God when they should be blaming the devil. God loves us. Now, he may chasten us at times. But the devil is the one that brought death into the world. Blame the devil. Oh, God, why is this happening to me? Well, maybe the devil is behind it all, not God. But you know, God does test us. He was testing Job, and Job came through in flying colors. He came forth as gold, tried in the fire. So, it gives us some insight into what's happening in the spiritual world and the result of it in the physical world. That's what we see. Job was a man that relied on God. He never lost his integrity. He was confused. He said some things, and he admitted he said some things that were rash, but he never lost his integrity. He still relied on God. Even though God would destroy him, he said, he's still going to be faithful to him. He trusted God, even in the face of such great loss. Again, he lost his wealth. He lost his family. He lost his health. What more? What three more things are important to someone in this physical world? Well, we will do well to follow the example of Job when we suffer in this life. Sometimes we suffer in this life because maybe like Job. God's number one example of a faithful human being who is willing to be faithful just because of who God is, not because of what he or she would get out of it. Be faithful to God. Don't be like his three judgmental friends. Because, again, they thought Job was being punished, was suffering, because Job was such a great sinner. You know, you cannot judge the righteousness of an individual by looking at their outward circumstances. Jesus Christ is an example of that. Job is an example of that. So what do we do? Trust God. Obey God. 
everything is going to turn out all right if we are faithful to God till the day we die, whether we are killed for our faith or whether we die of old age, be faithful to God. Well, again, this is Don Boyd with the Moody Church of Christ. I want to thank you for tuning in to opening the scriptures today as we looked at an introduction there to the book of Job. And I look forward to doing the rest of the book is a very interesting study as you go through it. Again, we uh, meet, the church here meets in the city of Moody. There we're on the corner in Moody, Missouri, uh, Highway E. We meet on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock for Bible classes and then at 11 o'clock for a worship period. We also meet on Sunday evening at 6 o'clock for a worship period. And then Wednesday evening we meet at 6 o'clock also for more Bible study. So thank you for being with us today and we look forward to being with you next time in our studies of the book of Job. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Way Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now. You can find us not only on Facebook, but you can also can find us on Tumblr. You can also find us on the Twitter alternative known as Telegram and on the Facebook alternative known as MeWe. We hope you enjoyed this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.